Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Underhood Show presented by Mel Hamilton Ford. My name is Phil Nightingale. Morning, Josh. Good morning. Beautiful Saturday morning out there, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Hey, it's a call-in show, 316-462-3673. Hey, anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, anything in the automobile world, love to talk to you, love to hear your questions or whatever to help you understand the automobile better. Uh, if you got something you want to talk about, new products, whatever, or even this lovely strike we got going on. Any comments whatsoever, we get a great price package, about over 130 bucks for each and every caller. As always, Josh, what's in that package for each and every caller? Just for calling in. Just for calling in. Only so, show I know you get paid to call in on, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll mail it out to you, but you get the the works, which is an oil change and tire rotation. We use Motorcraft oil and filter products here at Mill Hamilton Ford. Uh, while we're performing that, we're going to complete a multi-point inspection on that vehicle, checking over the brakes, tires, steering, suspension, all the safety-related components, uh, everything uh, everything about the vehicle, just making sure that it's ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. You'll also receive yourself $10 to Mel's Diner so you can get yourself something to eat and drink while you're here with us at the big corner. Complete nitrogen uh, for your tires so you get all the great benefits that nitrogen has to offer. We don't give nitrogen enough, enough love, I don't think. Uh, from, oh, we kind from, of forget about that a little bit. From, You're right. From that side of things. So, yeah, complete nitrogen uh, for your tires. And then uh, BG Products Package, which consists of a can of MOA or motor oil additive for your engine oil. And then uh, CF5 for your fuel system. Again, just getting that vehicle geared up and ready to go for that next 5,000 miles of driving. All right, 316-462-3673. That number comes right in the front desk. Tell the girls you want to get patched into the podcast. We'll get you right online here and get you going with any questions you might have. Morning, Delbert. Morning, Rex. Good morning, Jeff. Morning, Troy. And morning, Derek. Good morning, everybody. Everybody, thanks for joining in here and stuff. I got a lot of things I'd love to talk about today and everything else, too. We had an exciting week today, uh, this week in Atlanta. Josh and I and Lisa went there for some Model E training. So yep. we'd love to talk about that a little bit, too. Uh, but, uh, again, anything you want to talk about, a strike, whatever, your opinions, everything's, everything is wide open here this morning to everybody get on here and have an opinion on what you want to talk about or whatever. And uh, I'm kind of with Rex. Let's get back to work. Yep. I don't know about you, but that's I'm still working. You don't see any strike lines in front of our <laughs> store, right? Yeah, would agree with that. And then, uh, you know, I don't know that this is uh, – well, yeah, it is automotive-related. It's 100% automotive-related. We're going to – ask or i'm gonna ask call in with your best experience or most memorable experience of either a cab ride an uber ride oh god or something like that because we had an interesting ride coming back from the atlanta to the airport on yesterday had a very very interesting ride for sure but then here's the other thing is that if you hop in a cab or an uber what are some things that you look for or look at? I'm not sure why we did, got in that van is what I'm still wondering why we got in. Because <laughs> yeah. the, cause the uh, bellboy called it. Right, rang him over there. <laughs> but anyway, so we get, let's go through that. We got in this van, the three of us. And the first thing I noticed is black duct tape all over the airbag on the steering wheel. Just loaded with black. Well, it was tape. holding the... It was holding the what was airbag so it, back yeah, together. So the thing had been crashed bad enough. The airbags went off, uh-huh. and he just ducked uh, not black electrical tape taped the airbag back together. Uh, and the van was a rattle trap, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. I, I almost felt so sticky yeah, getting out of it. So first of all, this was an actual cab. This wasn't mm-hmm. a, this wasn't an Uber or or anything like that. But it was an actual uh, actual cab. And then uh, so I noticed the at the push pins everywhere holding up the, oh, the headliner. headliner. Oh man, yeah, he had push oh. pins all over. Well, that wasn't even the real headliner. I don't well, think. yeah, he yeah. put some of the velvet or something <laughs> up in that seat. So the other thing, and I don't know, it's there always was a push a, pin about every four inches, no, about every three inches, probably. The first, uh, oh, at least, <laughs> yeah, at least, <laughs> maybe every inch. So from my perspective, uh. Whenever I get into an Uber or a cab or somebody's vehicle or whatever, <laughs> I always am looking at the cluster. So I'm looking for mileage. How many miles are oh, on I, the car? I do the same thing. I look at the miles. <laughs> I'll see how many miles are on the car. Then I look for an oil change sticker to see <laughs> what when it was. Last, yeah, when it was last serviced or done. supposed to be serviced, or what, what. And then also on the cluster, like how many lights are on? What what's on? Oh yeah, there's always lights on. <laughs> you know, well in this particular case there wasn't. 
Because he had black duct tape fighting him over. Because <laughs> he put duct tape. And I had you sent me that picture of that, and I didn't catch that at first because I did try to find the miles. Yeah, I saw that airbag and everything else. But I, and then you texted me that, and I looked up there. Holy crap! And I'm guessing what the deal was is the lights were too bright at night, shining in his face. <laughs> so he just put black electrical tape to over him. the to hide to hide the lights. And uh, I don't know that it always cracks me up. I don't want to say cracks me up, but I just think of how important those lights are and what they're trying to tell you. And yeah. you see vehicles all the time. I mean, people have like pictures over the, you know, of their, yeah, uh, uh, just yeah. whatever in there. And I was like, you know, that's great and grand as long as everything's working. But how do you know when something's not, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to fold the picture over and say, Hey, I'm, I'm down here, <laughs> you know? So, uh, yeah. So call in, Give us your experience, cab, Uber driver, uh, whatever. What do you, what are, what are things that you look for, uh, look at, and then maybe uh, if you got an interesting story for for riding one of those. And just the uh, the condition of the vehicle really doesn't even start our journey <laughs> in that uh, particular trip. But anyways, so yeah, well, yeah let, let's so get anyway, the phones ringing. Yeah, let's get the phones ringing. Your most exciting time in a cab, Uber, whatever it might be. Love to hear, it. and we're gonna give you the price package for calling and telling your story. So anyway, so now we head out in this lovely van, okay, and it's 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 a rattle trap, like a mother. And uh, first thing that happened with me, you know, I, I should have done you. You knew where we were going exactly, and I do that most of the time too. When I get in an Uber or whatever, or even a cab, I know where my I make sure they're going to the right place. Yeah, so I was started out. I just like I'm. I'm pretty sure we're. I'm pretty sure we're not going the right way, but also not being familiar with the area at all. You know, I maybe he knew some special route or way, or and then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And I was like, um, hold on a minute. Yeah, hold hold on a minute. Something's not right here. <laughs> My spidey senses were tingling. I guess is uh, is to to say the. To say the word so then i looked it up on my phone and i'm like yeah yeah we're going the wrong way it's it's confirmed <laughs> and then the next thing is we could hardly understand the guy yeah. i don't know if you could understand him very well but i couldn't understand him yeah which yeah. I, and i'm you know i really wouldn't even fault him for that we were able to uh because he i mean i think he understood once i told him where we were going he understood where we were actually going uh it was just maybe miscommunication to begin with um of of where we were actually supposed to be going yeah so so, yeah, so then the funny part about it is, okay, so you're clear in the back. Me and Lisa, are, Lisa's on the left side. I'm on the right side. And we go to the first stop, and all of a sudden, he's got his arm stretched clear across me, and he locks the do- sliding door. <laughs> but, holy moly, why are we doing this? <laughs> why, why, why are <laughs> we going to come flying over what's going to happen? Yeah. I'm telling you, it's what he's worried about. <laughs> Based on the based on the tape holding the airbag together, <laughs> there was maybe some question as to what was going to happen with the door. And then you turn around and tell him he's going to the wrong place, and he decides he's going to make a U-turn, and he makes a U-turn in an illegal place in front of a police car. Well, and it was so we start <laughs> we started going down a one way road the wrong way. Oh, uh, yeah. and we went probably. Probably about a half a mile, three quarters of a mile down this one way road the wrong way. Well, wouldn't you know it? <laughs> after a couple of cars go by, the about the third car was a police car. Yeah. So then, as we finally got turned around and made the left hand turn back the right way, that second police car pulled up beside me and he rolled his window down. I think he was looking for me to say, "Hey, need help? Something? <laughs> you know, whatever." Uh, but yeah, that was. I don't. I don't understand how. So he had his lights going. The the officer had his lights going, and then we turned around. I mean, how did you not go ahead and continue to stop him? I mean, they had to have had something a bigger fish to fry at the to end. Take of, off uh, and go. Yeah, at the end of that deal or whatever. Just to Delver said he go. had GPS issues. No, he didn't have a GPS. <laughs> I can promise you that. <laughs> he didn't have his phone. I mean, he had nothing going on. Yeah, but yeah. I'm sure he's been in Atlanta forever. He probably knows every dang road well, he has to go to and everything else too. From that part. Yeah, and I, you know, not. I, to get in with somebody and expect them to know exactly where they're going and what way and stuff like that, you know, it's, it would be impossible. I would think, especially you get into a bigger city like that. And, uh, so from a Uber driver perspective, I could see your cab driver perspective, the pressure that's on you to, you know, to go the right way. And then now with the, the GPS on the phones and knowing exactly which way and everything like, I mean, years ago, that guy, we would have been to, Three, three states before we knew we, we were going, going yeah, before we knew we were we going the wrong, wrong direction. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, sure. 316-462-3673. Let's hear about your lovely Uber rides or cab rides or the fun times you've had in them or whatever. And you get the great price package about over 130 bucks for each and every caller. So now I'm going to back up to the chat line for a minute. Josh, we're going to change gears a little bit. I okay. want to answer. I want to talk about this for a minute. So Joshua uh, says, why is the wait for service a month? I spent 100 k on vehicles at your dealership since 2019. Well, Joshua, I understand your situation. Uh, I'm going to give you my opinion. I want Josh to add into that after that part from that too. And Joshua, we, uh, you know, at Quick Lane, we try to do the same day service, same everything, walk in, that kind of thing. So if you need normal routine maintenance, that can get done at Quick Lane. We got the 48 bay Quick Lane down there that runs about 150 cars a day through it uh, from that part. So I'm not sure what you're needing done on your vehicles or whatever. The main story, you're right. We are that far behind just due to the fact of, how many appointments we have, how many customers we have, and trying to get everything in there. Do I like that it's a month long, Josh? No, I, I don't. I hate it. Uh, but we also know that the people that have waited and the people that need to get taken care of and all that kind of stuff, some of it's still a parts issue. It's trying to get parts and things like that lined up stuff too. But let me tell you, every day we are working diligently to, to watch our schedules, to watch how we can schedule, what we can do, and all that kind of stuff too. And my best thing I can give you, Josh, if you rolled into a restaurant and there was nobody there, would you want to eat there? I don't know about you, but I don't. I want to go to a restaurant that's busy, that everybody's there. It's good to wait, uh, wait for the good food and everything else from that part. I know that might not be a good analogy for the month of that part, Josh, but that is part of the issue is what we're doing is it's we're trying to take care of everybody as best we can and make realistic time stamps on what we need to do and give you realistic times when we can get your car in and actually get it done and get it back to you from that part. So that's my two sakes, Josh. What else yeah, you got to yeah, tell so- Josh for that situation? You know, in addition to that, it really depends on what's going on with the vehicle. Um, like you said, the quick lane facility, as far as maintenance goes and getting getting things in and out, um, you know, if, if you have a down vehicle, you know, and we have to allow for, uh, for that because we do have a customer base and there are cars that, you know, break to a point where you can't operate it or drive it. That's an, that's an emergency situation or important situation. And we have to allow for that capacity in the shop. And so the, the main reasoning for the scheduling being that far out is like you said, when, when you bring, when you set that appointment and you bring that vehicle in, it's like top priority that we get that thing in and diagnosed same day for when you've actually made that appointment. Um, and, and, you know, we will, the last thing we want to have done is, okay, now you set that appointment that far out and we don't get to it and it takes right. two or three days or whatever. And that's, that's what happens when you over schedule stuff. And it's just a matter of trying to, to get everybody taken care of in the, in the best manner we can, you know, <clears throat> there, there are, uh, extenuating, this is not a black and white, deal they're extenuating circumstances for everything you know and it's just a matter of good clear communication of what your expectations are what your needs are and then letting us try to meet those needs to the best of our ability um you know from that side so if you have something going on outside of that if it's something that's more detrimental that can't wait that length of time like i don't want anybody driving around on something that's going to leave them stranded or on the side of the road or on a hot day you know, or on a hot day and not have air conditioning yeah yeah um you know, there's a, uh, uh, again, there's, there's extenuating circumstances in every situation. It's just a matter about having good, clear communication, uh, on what we can do and then working together. Cause it's a partnership, you know, it's not just what's best for us, but also you have to understand that, uh, as a, as a customer side of things that we're doing everything we can to get everybody taken care of yeah. from that. And Joshua, I tell you, I hate that it is that long of a wait. Uh, you know, we're actively trying to, what we need is we need more technicians. Yeah. Uh, we have the bays available for some more techs. Uh, we're doing all kinds of things every way feasibly possible to hire more good quality techs. I'm not going to hire just a body mm-hmm. to come in here and mess up your car because he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, and that's the next thing is too, Josh, you can go anywhere and get your car worked on. I get it. But are you going to get a good quality technician that knows what he's doing, has the right tools, has the right equipment uh, to diagnose and perform the services like they need to be done on your car? Sure. That's the other aspect behind it. I don't want to, I, I went in that aftermarket world for just a little bit and knew I needed to get back out of it because of the training, the knowledge, the tools, the equipment and everything else and the technology we have today to diagnose these cars and to fix them correctly. Anybody can guess and go get a code reader. And sometimes might be right at guessing, you know, but yeah. also at what expense, yeah. how many parts did we try before then? How much labor did you pay for? 
before then to to try and guess at something. You know, just like the other day, I was I was what, I was at the line of racetrack, and a guy pulled up. Said, "Yeah, I went in O'Reilly. They told me it's just code. I just need to put this part on. And when can I get it in? Get it done?" I said, "Wait, whoa, whoa, slow down." I said, "How do you know that's what it is? Well, that's what the code said it was." Yeah, I agree. There's a description of the top of that code that says what's the description of the code. That doesn't mean that's the failed part. So you got to be careful with that. Can because what's O'Reilly want to do? They just want to sell you parts. So if they sell you two or three parts to fix the car, is it their fault? No, they told you the code was you start putting parts on it. That might not be what it is. Uh, but we want to be, we have the right technology. And the next thing is I call those things. They have code readers. They're not a scan tool. They can't get into the history and, and deep dive into these codes to know exactly what's happened, when it's happened, how long it's happened, when's the last time it failed, everything else from that part too. So anyway, Jeff, Joshua, I understand your frustration. Uh, I do. We're doing everything we can to speed it up, to get things not being as long as it has to be. And I understand you spend a lot of money. We appreciate you've spent that money. We've got a lot of customers done the same way uh, from that part. And uh, we're just trying to get everybody taken care of the best way feasibly possible we can and get them in and out. So anyway, um, here's another one. Okay. Jeff says, best service shop I ever had used my biggest frustrations. It could not duplicate it <laughs> in the shop. And, uh, you know, that is kind of hard. I mean, back in the, and this is one thing that I, I struggle with just a little bit too with, with us today is, is knowing exactly what it is to fix it. We got to, you know, years ago it was complaint cause correction. And the first thing technician need to do is read is duplicate the problem. Verify the concern. Back <clears throat> in those days when I was wrenching, you could duplicate the problem because it was a constant deal. Now these lights and things come on when we're starting to have a little bit of deterioration. It can pick that up real quick. And the fault might not be there exactly when the car comes in. Well, and uh, we can even go, you know, even further to that is, you know, when when the diagnostic trouble code first came out, how many codes were there? Uh, 20. Yeah. yeah. And so now, I mean, we we're talking thousands, thousands of codes. And not only just, uh, so you can have an oxygen sensor code, which years ago you could have an code oxygen 13. sensor code. If you had a code 13, I promise you it was an oxygen sensor. And right now there's probably 30 oxygen sensor codes for yeah. that. And what they're trying to do is just make it to where it's, it's narrows down the condition of the fault. But also if, uh, it's able to detect sensors that are uh, degrading or becoming uh you know weaker and weaker or whatever and uh, like you said it may not be it may not be failing uh, there's so many different uh there's so many different things that could be wrong with the thing and the last thing i want to do is spend your money yeah and not you know, fix it and not fix it uh, or uh completely put the wrong part on it i mean we're graded by that through the manufacturer and stuff like that but i would uh i would much rather take a educated guess at something uh, on the warranty side of things to keep a customer from having to come back, uh, you know, for another, another visit. But sometimes that, that becomes very hard to do because what's that educated guess? Yeah. You know, well, I'll give you an example. We've got a super duty in the, in the shop right now and it's coming in for about three or four different lights coming on. The reason three or four different lights are coming on is because when one thing fails, it shuts down another and turns on different lights and stuff. So you, a technician has got to have the knowledge and the technology and, 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 and training to be able to know how to dissect into those codes. And, uh, you know, I was back here talking to the technician, the customer's frustrated because we can't guess what, Code's been 15 days since the code came back into play. Well, they don't want the car back till we fix it. I get it. And so, you know, I was back and talking with the service advisor in the tech last night saying, okay, what can we do? He says, well, I want to try to duplicate. I said, it's been 15 days. You could drive it 14 days and never duplicate it again. Or it might come right back on. You just never know what that is. And that's the first thing he said. I guess I got to get my best educated guess out. And I said, yeah, I think that's what we got to go try or do something. Uh, for that and then uh, the other thing is from a, from a consumer's side of things like man all the more information that you could give the us. you know the service department you know it, it matters it makes a huge difference when you have somebody that says you know hey my check-in engine light comes on or my this happens well okay versus hey i was doing this 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 and this and experience this you know just how you're operating the vehicle and what conditions it's under and, you know, ambient temperature and vehicle temperature and all that stuff 
in, you know, in some cases it, it may not matter at all, but at least if we try to re-replicate what you're experiencing under the same conditions that you were, you know, that you were in, uh, the likelihood of, because there's, there's a, so many times there's a commonalities in between, in between those conditions and how the vehicle acts. And then the other thing is too, everybody drives different ways. You know, that's why, that's why there's no blanketed maintenance schedule out there that works, uh, you know, for, for everybody exactly the same way is because the, the way we operate a vehicle, uh, so many times, you know, I've seen where, uh, we've put, up to hundreds of miles on a vehicle and never got it to do anything. And then you go, uh, with the, for a ride with the customer and, you know, and very short distances, the vehicle's doing what they were saying it was doing. And it's just, we don't, we don't just, know how to do yeah, just, just the way that they're operating it versus the way we were operating it and, and stuff like that. I can think of a, a scenario with a, with a rental car. <laughs> it was a, a ST, uh, uh, edge okay. and brand new. I mean, had, I think a hundred miles on it when it very first came in and, uh, they would, uh, they would just be, uh, driving along or the complaint was they'd just be driving along and it would, uh, the temperature light would just peg and say that it was hot and then it would go to into a D rate mode or a fail safe mode. So it didn't have all the power and everything like that. And, uh, you know, we looked at the thing <coughs> and drove it Gosh, it was a hundred, hundred and fifty miles, and never, never got, got it to, to act up, do anything. Uh, you know, uh, I don't. Re- I think the first time it was just uh, unable to duplicate, like what you were saying. So, I ended up giving it back to the rental car company. It went back, and they rented it out. You know, a couple of different times, and and brought it back in. And now we're talking that it had probably two thousand, three thousand miles on it. Same complaint. Mm-hmm. So then, at that point. We're digging into it again, drove it a substantial amount of miles. Um, couldn't get it to do anything, but we put a, the most common thing was the temperature sensor in it because the, the information that the scan tool was giving us, there was no looking at the other, like the transmission temperature sensor and, uh, other components, uh, of the of the computer and the sensors that were in there like it looked like the coolant was getting hot but really like engine oil temperature uh, the, nothing else was getting hot it was just kind of the coolant system so we put the temperature sensor for the uh, engine coolant temperature in there now there's two engine coolant temperature sensors one for the coolant and then one for really cylinder head temperature um, so we put the one in it and again going back to what what do you guess yeah you know yeah how, how do you how do you do that so went through uh did did that repair as a as a guess even still unable to, to duplicate it gave it back to the the rental company uh they took it out you know uh, again came back in probably three or four thousand miles uh later again same complaint so finally at this point we opened a hotline ticket on it and i'm getting involved in this thing and we had drove it at that point and i understand the rental car company you know they can't they can't rent it out until it's fixed right you know they can't, can't do it they can't just leave somebody stranded on the side of the road or or whatever like that and so now i'm starting to drive the thing well come to find out in order to get it to replicate you had to accelerate at wide open throttle Oh, so we're taking good care of that rental car yeah. out there. That's what's so happening. It was one hundred percent how you would envision somebody driving a rental car <laughs> is the only way that you could get this thing to but you had to have it at wide open throttle and you had to have it you had to hold it there from probably zero to about eighty. And when it got to eighty, the I mean it was everything was fine and then it just all of a sudden would peg the gauge. Well what it came down to is a passage in one of the uh, um one of the passages that provide coolant to the sensor, there was a, an obstruction in it and it ended up, we put a complete engine in it for the thing, but the only so way it was to, getting hot. Yeah, it, it, it really was. It was, but just in that one passage to it the flow enough yeah, coolant, coolant through it. to it. Uh, and the only, again, the only way to replicate that thing was throttle to the floor for an extended period sounds of time. Like what Jeff's saying here, he says, I have a clunking sound when I rev it to about 6,000 RPMs in neutral and drop it in the drive. 
<laughs> Typical rental car situation. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, you know, in, in I've those. I've never abused a rental car, have you? No, uh, I don't even. <laughs> I can't. I don't think the statute of limitations has run out uh, on yeah. some of that stuff. So we'll, we'll save that for another kind of show. like Days of Thunder, right? Yeah. Got a problem with a radiator. We drove a, I don't know, we paid for a full tank of fuel one time at, uh, we were in Vegas and uh, we wanted to go to the Hoover Dam. There were six of us. And it was a minivan or van or something like that. Well, the only way you could rent the car was a tank of fuel. Well, you don't need a tank of fuel going to the Hoover Dam and back. And so we tried using all of it. But anyways. (laughs) So, yeah, the only, and, you know, if there would have been a customer behind that. Purchase on her way here to see (laughs) (laughs) If there would have been a customer behind that that would have explained, you know, hey. This is what I'm doing to make it happen. This is what I'm doing. And. So like, the, the, yeah, the very first time in, yeah, we, we could replicate that. We can figure out what's going on with it and, and, and go on down the road, you know? So, yeah. So anyway, as much as I would love to think the cars can diagnose themselves, it can't happen. I understand your frustrations as a consumer saying, Hey, the lights on, here's the code. You should be able to fix it. Da, 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 da. I wish it was as that easy every time to fix these cars like that. But again, it goes back to the knowledge these techs have the tech, uh, the tools they have and everything else like that. And again, all the different uh, platforms that are out there to help technician diagnose cars of other technicians that have fought the same thing or whatever. And then there's bulletins uh, out there that Ford has found and that other technicians have found and Ford lets everybody know, Hey, here's what's happened here. Go to this harness, go to this, da, 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 to fix these cars. Uh, so again, can you get that in the aftermarket world? No. So back to Joshua's situation, Joshua, I want to take care of as many cars as we can, uh, and I do believe that the, you know, the independent world's got a niche for their, their type of vehicles they can work on or whatever. But if you want it done right and want it done with the technical situation and the good parts and all that kind of stuff, sorry, we got to wait a little bit, but we are doing what we can to work on those wait times. So anyway, we got to get these phones ringing. We need to hear about your Uber rides. Yeah. The interesting stories you might have or whatever. What's that other one? Taxi cab confessions that you used to have on TV. When that something like that or something. Oh yeah. I don't know on that. Like it was a TV show or something? People getting taxi getting all drunk. (laughs) (laughs) And just some of the stuff they say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So when you get into a, yeah, when you get into an Uber or a, so I got, there's guys texting us. He needs to call in and we need to discuss Stanley because that's the other, uh, so the, the, uh, not rental car, the taxi cab ride that we had in Atlanta, that is probably, I'm going to say, half as crazy as Stanley in Vegas. Like it was the craziest cab ride I think I'd ever been on. Who's Stanley? That's the cab driver. Was I with you? No. Oh, okay. The, the guy that's texting us. Oh, is, the guy's texting yeah. <laughs> was in there. And I don't know. If, maybe he don't remember Stanley. I bet he does. Maybe he had too many of those Coors lights that he drinks, maybe. So he don't remember. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> All right. Hey, let's get the phones ringing. 316-462-3673. Anything ailing your car, tires, brakes, batteries, love to hear from you. you want to give this great price package by over 130 bucks for each and every caller. And uh, it can be anything in all the world. We'll talk about this lovely strike that's going on. It's driving us all crazy. Talk about new products, whatever it might be. Love to hear from you. 316-462-3673. You know, I've not... Uh, uh, yeah. So I've not... Uh, been as up on the gm and stellantis side of this i don't know do you know kind of where well here's my problem is is trying to know what media to look at yeah what to really believe you're hearing because what the media puts out there and then the next thing is is when you're when you see some of these things whether it's on facebook whether it's on twitter whether it's on instagram or whether it's on tiktok wherever it might be is how old is it how yeah. old is the data that you're, how old is that video you're seeing and everything else? Like, is it current or whatever from that part? Uh, you know, it, it's hard for me to know. And, you know, here's my deal is I understand these workers need a different contract or whatever from that part. But I don't think that everyone's thinking about how detrimental it's doing, not just the UAW workers that aren't working, all the suppliers, all the people, all the truck drivers, all the things that go into play. To make these make these dealerships run, make these plants run, to make everything go, and what it's doing. Let's get this thing behind us. We got to have a compromise. It can't be just a a one sided deal. 
in my opinion. And I understand both sides. I really do. But let's get a compromise together and let's quit trying to tear our world apart. Let's get everybody back to work, back together and get some kind of a compromise to make this work. And I don't know, my my biggest thing out of all this is the the only person, I mean, it's it's affecting a lot of people, but really what you're doing is jacking with the consumer. Yeah. And that's the person at the end of the day that really makes your paycheck. You know, I, I understand. That's my thing. Shutting down the parts depots is what's blowing me away more than because that's that's the end consumer. I mean, you guys that are that are striking, do you realize that maybe some of your family members or close friends or whatever need some parts and now they can't get them? That's where I'm I'm blown away on that side of the coin. Now, buying new cars, does everybody have to buy a car today? No, there's used cars to buy and everything else in that part. But let's get back to work. Let's get a compromise together. And let's put something here that's going to be compromised for both sides. It can't be what's good for one side, one side or the other. And, you know, who knows what the negotiation talks are going on and everything else from that part. I don't know. I don't know. I just wish it was over so we could all get back to work. We can go back to doing what we need to do to make and build cars and everything else, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. So anyway, hey, uh, so anyway, Josh and I and Lisa, we were in Atlanta this week for some EV training. And I want to talk about a couple things we learned about the EVs and stuff while we were there. And uh, I didn't realize there's as much technology in these batteries and in these cars that are happening in their stuff too. Am I a big fan of the electric? You know, I love the, I love the ice motors. I love the sound. I love all the stuff. That Mach-E GT, that's fun to drive. It's quick. It's fast. It's crazy. For as much as I love speed and, and torque and all that kind of stuff, it's crazy what that thing can do uh, from that part. I think there's an, everybody, there's a niche, and I've learned that there's a more bigger niche than what we think for an electric car that we don't think about all the way through. That's what I, one thing I want to get into is everybody complains about cold weather. Oh, we got a caller. Yeah, we do. Uh, so apologize, but they, uh, yeah, Delbert, it's Delbert. Good morning, Delbert. How are you? Good morning, gentlemen. You are, you are <laughs> live. Stories, but I'm not going to share them all, of course. Oh, I bet you do have some stories. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do <laughs> have some stories. I have some from Wichita. And I have some from Oklahoma City. So how many? I mean, how I many years? Over. Yeah. How many years have you uh, done that? Well, February will make seven years for Uber Lyft. Uh, I quit doing Uber over a year ago because Lyft is so much more lucrative down here. Gotcha. That makes um, sense. So is that a <laughs> is that a per market area? You think, or what's the what's the difference there? Uh, I, I wish I could understand that a little bit. Um, I did Uber for more years here and I'm just now on my first year with Lyft full time. Well, not full time. I'm a part time driver. So get that out there. I do about 25 hours a week. Um, and the, you guys know about my most recent, uh, video. <laughs> so, yeah. excuse me, but, um, yeah, that was a fun time getting pulled over by the cops, and you're not the problem. <laughs> it's the passengers. <laughs> so, <laughs> Josh, have been your problem once before? No, no, no. no. Okay, no. I try uh, if I if I try to get a ride from somebody, I try to be pretty respectful because <laughs> I want to get where I'm going and not just taking <laughs> taking somewhere that I that I don't belong in a place that I don't know. So. One of the things I hear from passengers more than anything that's happened in my car is the fact that um, they get in somebody's car that, A, doesn't have air conditioning, smells like marijuana, or serious, severe smoke. And I asked them, I said, did you turn them in? And they would say no. I said, why? Why would you not turn them in for what you saw? Uber and Lyft do not know what you're seeing unless you tell them. Yeah. And they look at me and go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't know. My, my biggest fear with that kind of situation, I'd be worried about retaliation. Yeah. That's my, that's my only well, thing that scare me is retaliation. Well, I just, who, I just they get, retaliate on you? They don't know who you are. They can't tell all by that app who you are? Is your first name. No. All they can see is your first name. Unless you put your full name in there, unless you put Mel Hamilton Ford in there, yeah, all they can see is your first name. So, and and if you put a picture, they see a picture. You don't have to put a picture as a passenger. Only drivers have to put pictures. Hmm. I guess I better go check out my <coughs> profile and see what yeah. I've got there going on in that part. But anyway, I would still be worried about because they, they know where they took. If you the, find a car, 
that is having issues, it, you know, spits and sputters when they're trying to drive it or it's damaged. Um, I wouldn't say hail damage because a lot of, a lot of people have hail damage in our communities here just because of where we live. So, but if it's damaged from a car accident and it's being held together by tape or, um, if it just seems like an unsafe vehicle, just turn it in, let them understand what's going on because you're the one that has to live through that ride. And yeah. if you can't feel safe, it's a safety issue and they will take care of those safety issues. Sure. <clears throat> but make sure you're turning them in for something that's true. Don't just turn them in. Yeah. Well, my thing, every time <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, every time I've got in an Uber, I've done more Uber than Lyft, <laughs> but every time I've really got in one of those cars, either way, they are a, a pretty reasonable new car. Yeah. Don't have a ton of miles on them and they do smell clean and good. And the car is clean and all that kind of stuff. But this wasn't an Uber or Lyft. Yeah, we got in Atlanta. Yeah, this was, was a, a cab. cab. I don't even know if it really was a cab. Somebody just left some decals on the side of his van. And, and waited in a line. <laughs> waited in a line for someone to pick him up. So there was no meter or nothing in the we, car. We got some of that here in Oklahoma City, too. So be careful when you get a taxi here as well. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, I get that too. But it wasn't it was an interesting ride. But I do think that cop was looking for me to to motion him or do something to, to that we say, were hey. trying to <laughs> we need some help or something as he rolled his window down beside us and I just looked at him. I didn't because <laughs> I did think we was gonna get pulled over. Well yeah, when the siren went yeah. off and everything else like that, I, I really thought that they were gonna pull him over. That was gonna be the end of that deal. Yeah. And we'd be walking. <laughs> They're gonna take him in. <laughs> That was the only time I've ever been pulled over is when that uh, situation occurred where I had two um, criminals in the car that I had no idea of. And it was within two miles of me picking them up because they were waiting on a second vehicle, second police car to come and and assist with the uh, abduction of the two individuals in my car. That's what I'll call it. (laughs) Yeah, that's lovely. Don't be part of that deal. And, and, And for those that don't know, they... They pulled me over. I let the cops in the back doors because all of our cars lock these days when we start driving the new ones. Yep. And um, they never came to the driver's door. They came to the passenger door. So that told me something in my head. And so when I let them out, they grabbed the boys by their wrists, pulled them out of the car gently, took them back to the police car. They didn't fight. So that was good. Um, <laughs> well, next time I found a one and a 38 special on the other. Did you, uh, uh, did you get paid for that ride? <laughs> Probably not. I got full payment from Lyft after I called them, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Okay. But I was detained for over an hour with the cops waiting on them to release me for my statement. So, I mean, I didn't make any money, and I quit that day, obviously. Yeah, I'm <laughs> kidding. I would have quit, too. <laughs> yeah, so I took a couple days off. Place to re- run and re- give me a- re-evaluated my situation. Re-evaluated. I did well. <laughs> Where and when I was going to do this? Yeah, I bet so too. So that would be part of my fear stuff too: is who you're picking up, who you got, who's coming, all that kind of stuff. You know, too. Yeah, we never know who we're getting. Uh, even if it says a person's name, uh, you might be getting their girlfriend or their boyfriend because they're giving them a ride to. Uh, let's just say it. Do a booty call, if you will. <laughs> oh, one of those deals. Never thought of that deal. How about that, Josh? Booty call time. Let's get an Uber. <laughs> <laughs> get your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever and get them out there yeah. yep exactly so well alright Delbert hey thanks for the info thanks for the information love it uh, from that part oh, just as, a, as a reiteration Josh please don't send me a, a, a <laughs> you, you got it <laughs> alright buddy you guys have a great day you too. I hope somebody else calls in get on this phone get them, get them called in make some more statements out here for these guys oh and do, uh, talk about the warranties that you guys offer on your repairs okay. for different vehicles, Fords, yeah. GMs, all that good stuff. Yeah, right. we can certainly do that. You know, that goes, uh, thank, right. thank, thanks for the call, Delbert. You're right. Anyway, the other thing I want to talk about, we, we learned in Atlanta when we started talking, when Delbert yeah. started calling in there, some new, the technology is in these electric cars. And uh, again, it's making me be more open-minded about the electric cars and what I need, to, what we should be and that sort of thing too. But a lot of this is, I'm telling you everybody, it's the cafe ratings, Corporate average fuel economy at the man, the government is mandated on these manufacturers. They got to hit, and the only way they can hit it and keep selling the F one fifties is they got to make these electric cars offset it. And so there's stats out there, and uh, 
For every Lightning truck that Ford sells, that's able to let them make another 10 F-150s to hit the CAFE rating. Every Mach-E gets them another four F-150s for every Mach-E that they sell to do that. So if we all want to continue to drive our F-150s like we all do, and as many F-150s we sell and as Ford sells across the country, and again, Super Duty is not in that picture because it's not rated in the CAFE ratings, but to keep driving these F-150s, we've got to figure out a way to do that. So I really, truly believe down the road, not any time in the near future, but it's going to end up that we're going to have an electric car in our garage and an ice car in our garage. I really, truly believe that part of it, but also some of the things we learned made me think about how it's easier to drive an electric car. And let's first go where I was headed is, is the cold weather drive. Yeah. And I had no idea where most of that battery is getting killed in the cold weather. Everybody's thinking it's cold weather and it just takes more in, and it does take more energy to move the car when it's cold and everything else too. But they're talking about conditioning the battery. So the other side of that is I don't even think the consumers understand that like the battery is the bottom of the car. So the whole underside of the car. Yeah. So yes. So your elements, I mean, it's, it's exposed to the elements, to the cool, to the heat. uh, And let's go back a gas motor truck too, or car, whatever. Does it get the same mileage when it's cold as it is hot? No, it doesn't. It's, it's less too in the cold weather. But what's happening to you is, let's say you, you know that you leave every morning at 7.30 in the morning, and you just take your electric car, you've got it plugged in, you unplug it, you back out of the driveway, and you take off. Well, that battery is going to get cold, and it's got to warm up to be efficient. So, in other words, it's taking energy out of that battery to warm itself up to be efficient, and that's where a lot of the range goes away. So, if you will... Get on your Ford Pass app and tell the tell the car that hey, charge me too. And again, they're also saying only charge them to ninety percent. And you can do that in the app to charge it to ninety percent. Don't charge it to a hundred. I'm all, I'm the big fan. I got to have everything as high as I can get it. I don't know about you from that part, uh, but charge it to ninety percent and tell the car you're going to leave it at seven thirty. So what it'll do, it'll charge you to ninety percent, but it's also going to condition that battery and make it warm while it's on the charger. Before you leave. So as you pull out of your driveway, the battery's warm. It's in its most efficient mode. Now, granted, what we forget about is we're going to run our electric seats, heated seats that are electric. We're going to run our heated steering wheel that's electric. And our heater that's in our car now is electric. So all those other things going into play, and it was funny. Don't forget about the radio. Uh, The radio. Got to have Taylor Swift on. Got to have Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know what your favorite (laughs) listener is now, Josh. Yeah, no, that isn't it. But all the things we're using, and that's where I remember this last winter where some guys were saying, hey, uh, turn off your heater, just run your heated seat, turn off your heated steering wheel, and you're going to get better range. Well, that makes sense. Your body's going to be warm. You're not heating the whole car. But now all these things kind of come into play and also make sense to me a little bit. Now, what is the true mileage it will change or whatever? I don't know. I still remember when I got in that lightning, and I did it. I didn't tell it anything I was doing. It had about 140 mile range, and I was jumping in that to go to Hutch and back for a funeral, and I was freaking out coming back because it was it was the the miles just kept prinking, zoom, zoom, chunking off, going lower and lower, and I did make it back no problem. But now, if I would have conditioned that battery, what would that have done? I don't know. But that is part of the the technology that's in the car to know to condition the battery, get it warm, get it ready to go before you go out of your garage. Uh, from that part, well, the other side of that is uh, using the navigation software to yeah we got to go to that side too it's it's uh well first thing next go to the next thing is this everybody talks about when you hook a hook a trailer to the lightning that cuts the mileage down real bad yeah okay what happens to your f-150 when you hook a trailer to it does the mileage stay the same it don't no no it doesn't it falls off too so you can't sit there and degrade an electric car that it's going to do that and i have towed with that lightning and it did it took two miles off for every mile i went when i was towing about it I don't know, 5,000 pounds, I would think, something like that. I was telling maybe 6,000 at the max. But I expect that. That's probably what's going to do when I hook another trailer to my F-150. It's not going to get 20 miles to the gallon within it with a trailer, 5,000-pound trailer hooked to it. Uh, so anyway, Josh, now we can go into the, the technology while you're driving on our trip. Yeah, so essentially what the vehicle is so so advanced, when you put put your trip into the navigation uh, of the of the vehicle and it's – checking out charging points and you've identified where you're going to go to charge and and things like that as you're driving to that charging station it is preconditioning the battery 
to accept that charge. So there's basically there's a handshake that has to take place from the vehicle to the charger of, you know, here's here's where I'm at, here's where I want to go, and I can take, you know, X number of of amps uh right out of the gate in order to achieve that. And the the preconditioning that occurs are things that go and like cool the battery uh, and make it to where it can take a a larger number of amps right off the gate uh, so that when you hook it up, you spend less time at a, at a charger. Um, But if, again, if you're not using the tech in the vehicle and and stuff like that, your experience of what that event or that charging event is going to be like, is going to be a much greater length of time uh, to be able to, to get, you know, the same amount of charge in there. Well, yeah. So if you don't tell the car where you're going, what's doing, it doesn't condition that, then it's going to turn around and go into, you'll pull up to that level three and you want to get a fast charge. It's only going to take a level two. So you're going to set there longer than you would have had to, if it could have accepted that level three charge. Until that battery has time to condition itself to, to accept that level three charge. Yeah. Cool back down, do what it's got to do. And then go in there so you're just sitting there longer so it's crazy that the technology they put into these batteries in the technology in the car uh from that part and we don't think about all that all we're thinking about is uh the, the anxiety that comes into getting the charge the charging and, and, anxiety yep so the other thing i was, was blown away too is they talked about charging every day do you need to charge every day in your car i always tell every customer just plug it in every night you know uh now like night, you're out, like you're at home it's like you're at home yeah <laughs> things want to charge every night because I'm worried I'm not going to charge tomorrow. But anyway, they say, you know, again, charge them to just 90%. And I'm not sure I understand all why not to get it to a hundred. Uh, but then we went through that exercise and we went almost six days before you had to charge it, before we had to charge it. Uh, and if you have a 220 charger in your house, if you let it get down into the 20% range or the 10% range, or even, you know, 30 miles to go, if you hook it on a 220, It'll charge in eight hours and get you back up to your 90% that you need to be from that part. But it was six or seven days where we really had to charge it. And I was just in the sales meeting because I got a couple of salespeople that are driving the old Mach-E's and that corner thing. And the first thing I saw, yeah, well, I charge it every day. I got da, 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 da. And I said, well, hold on a minute. How many miles a day do you drive? One guy said 50. I said, do you really drive 50? He's guessing. He doesn't really know. And the other salesperson said, you know, I drive, I drive less than 20. I said, yeah, so you so could you almost go two weeks and not have to charge it at 20, at 20 miles a day. Uh, from that part. So I think there's all kinds of analogies and things that we're not understanding about us. I mean, we're so conditioned just to go to a gas pump every time we need gas pump up 10, 15 minutes, we're on the road and we're back with full tank of gas and away we go. Do I think the technology will get there with the cars and these electric cars? Yeah, but I think we're a long ways from that. I think we are. Uh, but I'm telling you, there's to get in a Mach-E and hit the gas. It's crazy. And it's, it doesn't matter what speed you're going, whether it's from a stop or 20 mile an hour or 40 mile an hour or, you know, or 60 mile an hour. Like the amount of torque, that the instantaneous torque that you have on those things is just crazy. Yeah. You can almost need a Hans device because how much you're going to turn your <laughs> neck back. I mean, I got dizzy one time because I kept yeah. doing it and you know, hitting it, hitting it, and hitting it. And uh, I did. I got dizzy off of it because I, <laughs> I hit it a few too many times, though, Josh. Imagine that. Uh, so anyway, changed my tune a little bit on uh, on the electric side and, and everything else, too. Is it for everyone? Absolutely not. Uh, just like Rex just put in, he drives 300 miles a day. Uh, can you get by? Yeah, you get the one that's got over 300 miles of range and charge it every night. You probably still could get by at 300 miles a day charging it with a 220 charger uh, correctly. Now, that's the next thing we learned, too, is what is your house capable of having to put in a charge? Yeah. And, for example, on a Lightning, the extended range battery, it can take 80 amps. So you need a 100, 100 amp, amp circuit, circuit to go there. Most houses are set up to bring in 200 amps. But, but how many amps? The are, using, what's, what's the house yeah. already using? Can you afford to give it the charger 100 amps to charge that amount of time you need to charge? Now the Mach-E's aren't quite that big, and the, and the standard range batteries on the on the Lightnings aren't the or 60, I think, if I remember right. And I yeah. think the Mach-E's are only 40. So you got to think about what's in your house and what you got there too to to make that work. Uh, and some of the older houses, I guarantee you, they don't even have 200 amps coming into them. Yeah. But I think most of the newer houses have 200 amps. But then again, how many amps is your house taking? Can you actually give that uh, 100 amp to that charger when it needs to have it? Maybe at nighttime you could. I don't know. But that's a lot of things where you got to get a, a certified electrician involved to know 
what your house can take, what it can do, and all that kind of stuff too, and, and buy the correct charger that's going to work uh, from that part. So anyway, we didn't get, we got one phone call from Delbert. We wanted to hear all your exciting stuff about your Uber calls, and I guess it is what it is, right? <laughs> we didn't get much excitement on that, Josh, but that's okay. So anyway, guess what time? It's about running out of time to have fun here already. So uh, everybody, we thanks everybody that's been watching listening. We need to thank our sponsors that help us with this show. It's yeah. BG Products, all the great preventative maintenance products we use right inside here at Mill Hamilton Ford. And uh, the uh, great products that we're sorry, we're trying to read one more text coming out the deal. <clears throat> Shouldn't have to buy a charger. They should. Got to buy the right charger. And... Uh, and I agree with this. It's got to be included with the, the dollars it takes to charge these. That's a whole, we could spend another 30 minutes talking about that, Jeff, about how to get them charged, what, what it entails, the watts, the amps, and all that stuff, and what your house got, and, and what it can take to get you there and everything else, too. <clears throat> I think a 220 charge in your house is good. Just make sure you got 100 amps that you can circuit, you can put to it, and away you go. But that's a short side of the short side, sorts, God dang it, short side of the stick of all the equations that go into that using a certified electrician to help you. But anyway, uh, BG products, all the great preventative maintenance products we use big corner creative for all your advertising needs. Hey, if you've got a business company, whatever you need a webpage design, you need your vehicle wrapped windows wrapped, anything in the ad- automobile advertising world. God, I can't spend anything out. Now, Josh. <laughs> As Jesse and those guys say down there, just Google it's big corner creative for all your advertising needs. And, Go to rent. Hey, we got a good fleet of vehicles finally back over for standing rent. The holidays are coming. I am. A, we are a little short on the 12 and 15 passenger vans. So if you're needing one of those through the end of the year, uh, get, get your reservation in line. Let Stan know for the holidays coming up so you can make sure you can get to Grandma's house with the right car and everything else, too. He's got a great fleet of expeditions and explorers over there, too, to help you. If you don't want to put your miles in your car, give Stan a call right inside here at Go to Rent. Hey, everybody, have a great Saturday. Stay uh, it's not that hot anymore. Uh, not. Oh, man, winter's coming, Josh. Yep. I hate it, but it is what it is. So, anyway, everybody, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the great comments. And everybody, have a great Saturday. We'll talk to you next Saturday. <laughs>